Welcome to the Ausländer. So, welcome to a new episode of the Ausländer. Um, uh, for these people who is new, um, and it's coming to this uh, second season of, of uh, the podcast, uh, the Ausländer. It's a podcast that started to in the times of COVID. Let's say like this, uh, in a moment where people were not able to travel, people were not able to move, and the idea was to try to bring people who has lived outside of their country for a period of time more than six months uh, generically and so they can explain us what are their experiences what they have uh, lived in these countries and uh, check with them what what forced them to go there but also why they stayed uh, during the COVID times of course uh, also how was the situation at that point of time in the cities or the countries that we were living. Um, but it grown up until a second season. Uh, so <laughs> um, today I'm really, really happy to have here with me Laura. Hi, Laura. Hi. Laura, it's originally from Barcelona as me. Um, you lived in London and yeah. then currently living in Berlin, correct? Yes. correct. Um, so we know each other from Juanca, so your current boyfriend and your boyfriend, it's ex-colleague of mine of uh, work, ex-friend, colleague uh, also in Frankfurt in Germany, uh, ex-guest of uh, the Ausländer the also as, a, as an episode uh, on the first season. Um, yeah. I love to have you because I think you will bring a different perspective from Berlin also than Juanca had in this in his episode, probably. Um, so you are a fashion designer and sustainability consultant right now. Yes, that, yes, that's correct. I and, yeah. Yeah, go on, go on. Please. So I'm I yes, I'm a fashion designer for background. I I've been in the industry for like, I don't know, roughly seven years. But um, two years ago, um, I well, two years and a half, I decided to quit my job uh, in Barcelona, and I, I decided this enough is enough. I cannot keep, you know, feeding this um, industry at least the way I'm doing it right now, mm -hmm. and I need to take proper action. So I quit my job and I decided to start a master's degree in sustainability in fashion and creative industries, and I moved to Berlin. That's why I'm here. So since then, on I yeah, it was a two years masters, and I moved here and and starts new career path basically. So you ended in Berlin, um, basically to do the master itself. Yes, yes. I think I was I was considering um, London and Berlin, but um, yeah, the masters were very different, and also yeah, Juanca was already currently living in Germany back then in uh, Frankfurt. So then, yeah, I guess it was a, I don't know, a sum of different things that uh, made it possible. And I don't know, I just, in the end, I realized Berlin was the place I wanted to be. Cool. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. As far as I remember from, from another conversation that we have, actually, when you went to London, 
So you you were in Barcelona, you were born in Barcelona, raised uh, raised up in Barcelona. You went to London because of studies, also. I London was yeah, it was a studies and walking working. Okay. So I was, yeah, I was there for almost a year, but not a year. Yeah. Okay. Then you went back to Barcelona before going to Berlin. Okay. Exactly. Yes. For I think I was then in Barcelona for like three years, and then I moved to Berlin. Yes. Cool. And now it's been three years already. <laughs> time time flies and with COVID I think nobody realized the two last years has been like okay they happened yes exactly <laughs> okay almost three years okay yeah yeah um so yeah London let's talk chrono let's try to do it chronologically wise so when did when did you go to London exactly I think it was by the end of 2015 Um, yeah, and I, it was, I think it was very spontaneous, but at the same time, I always, always wanted to live in London. Actually, I wouldn't mind moving right now to London, although mm -hmm. the situation is not great, the greatest right now. But uh, it was at my cousin's wedding and another cousin of mine, she was going to London and she was like, Laura, You've always dreamt of going to London. I think right now this is the place to be. Just come with me. And she was looking already for an apartment because she was about to study a master's mm -hmm. degree. And she said, like, hey, Laura, I found an, an, a room for you. So just move with me. And, yeah, and, and back then I was looking for internships and just, you know, finding my way in the industry. And I thought, why not? I, I love London. I, I just, like, you know, just try out. And I went there and yeah, and it was one of the best times. Yeah, best times in London. Really, really enjoyed. Yeah. So, where so I, I ended up living with my cousin and yeah. another four flatmates. Um, cousin plus four. Uh, that's quite a uh, lot of people for a shared flat. But we all know the situation of searching for a flat in London. I think we will need to talk about this also because... Uh, I think it's a very, very complex topic. Let's leave it like this. It's, it's uh, no... But it was wonderful. It was wonderful. Yeah. So eventually you were still studying in the university back at the time, like it, bachelor's it was, or? It was, it was, I think it was by the time, because I graduated in 2014. Hmm. And then when I finished, I was again, like doing more internships. And also I started, started my own, it was not a label, but I just wanted to reuse and upcycle the waste that I generated with my graduation collection. Mm. So out of these, I ended up creating kind of my um, own swimwear label. So then when I moved to London, I was working with another fashion designer and at the same time still running my own project, which was, I think in the end, I, would, I can call it successful because I ended up covering the costs of my graduation collection. Okay. Plus also... Yeah, like I think I did a great job, but yeah, um, it was it was not, let's say, really well planned because mm -hmm. it was again just using the ways that I had. So, um, so then in London I was doing this, and then also studying uh, at the same time and doing an internship. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I ended up working as a freelancer by I think uh, the last four or five months that I was in London in the, with the same designer. Yeah. Okay. Cool, but eventually I all of all so all of this was still like in the section of fashion design 100% yeah, you were, always, you know, yes. yes 
So you never start with the sustainability part. I mean, if, besides reusing the wasting of uh, of your of your graduation itself, yeah. uh, <laughs> which I is already yeah, it's already. I I think that back then I didn't know that I was already doing something. You know, I was upcycling. You know, mm. uh, and reusing. But I think the like this sustainability mindset. I think I now I can you know go back in time and I think that I already had it at the very beginning, early stage of my career. But I think I was just like I needed to go through this journey and experience and just working at certain companies as well to realize the things that I don't like about the industry and the things that need to be changed. And I guess I've reached my tipping point mm. uh, on my last job which had very wonderful things, very wonderful people, but some things that I was like, enough. Um, so yeah, I think I just needed to go through these, you know, different experiences to realize that I needed to change. It makes a lot of sense. So I think a lot of people, which I include myself, we pass through some years where you need to become like someone in some of the big corporations to have some kind of CV, let's say like this, or part of the curriculum part of experience at the end in a market that it's absolutely crazy for well all of the kind of designs i think eventually they are requesting you to be a senior designer from the very beginning when you are going out of the university so you don't have work real experience and it's it's sometimes funny just to see the 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 i don't know the post and linkedin or the job offers where they are saying okay you need you need to be 23 years old with six years of experience in your life. And I'm just like, yeah, six years ago, I was just going out of school. So <laughs> uh, of primary school. So definitely not, not, not having six years of, of uh, work experience, but yeah. Um, so yeah, London based, uh, which, which part of London were you living back then? East London okay. in Beth, Bethnal Green. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah near Shoreditch as well so it's not I'd say if you're traveling just just visiting you know London is not uh an area that you'll go and visit you know so I think it's more yeah you just get to know um East London probably when you're going to certain markets otherwise if you're you know just visiting someone who's living there but yeah. I really like you how hard it was to enter to the life in London because it's a big city. So eventually finding people, finding friends, finding like a kind of group in these big cities can be either really fast and really easy to do or it takes way too long. Yeah. I think I was very lucky. I think for me, London is one of my favorite cities. Um, And it was, I don't know, I would say it was very easy, very smooth. I I I went to so many different events and also I think because I was I, I think this also really helped. I was um as I said like sharing this flat with four different flatmates, one of them was my cousin and she was studying a master's degree. So then I automatically, you know, became part of this master group. So I was like, yeah, with them, hanging out with them. Then also with the fashion designer I was working with, then we were like roughly nine or ten interns so again more people yeah it was there's a different story but it was big um and then I don't know just like randomly found out that friends 
childhood friends or let's say teenage friends mm-hmm. uh, were living there. I was like, wow. So I ended up, as you say, a really big city. I ended up connecting with people that I've met when I was 15. Um, and it was beautiful. And then out of these relationships, I met more friends and more friends. So I think London was an explosion of friendships, new friendships and exploring um, multi, I don't know, many different artistic and cultural events. And I think this really helped out. But I know that it's, as any other big city, can be very challenging and you can feel very small and very isolated. But I think I was very lucky in that sense. I mean, definitely there is a big point when, so because it's kind of normal that, for example, for your cousin, you're going to study, you have like, you know that you will have classmates, which is never the same relation than working colleagues. Exactly. And eventually what it's going there is that you will have some group and you are reassured when you are going out for studies most of the time that you will have someone around. When you go to work and you go on your own, especially, it's just like, it's the jungle, okay? You just need to find where you like more or less fit and mm-hmm. enter groups that they are already created somehow. And most of the times they are already friends much before you. So <laughs> you arrive to that city. So you try to enter somehow into already created groups. So I can imagine that for you, the reassurance or the security of having or going there directly with your cousin it's also like an advantage definitely it was it was it was very helpful in, in, in many ways and also feeling that there's you know a family member next I mean and I really like I think is one of my we are you know we get along very well so I think having someone um that you know very well living with you You know, it was a safe operation space in a way. You know, it was like a bubble. So it really helped out, yeah. Um, Mm. Yeah, just as as in a small detail. Might be the first episode of The Auslander that we are not drinking alcohol, which is nice. (laughs) Laura, it's not a really strong drinker, let's say like this at all. So favorite (laughs) drink, it's tea. Um, I think you are drinking a much more green tea than me. Uh, Mine is a hardcore, the hard, a hardcore version of version of tea. So this has probably even more caffeine than coffee. So yeah, yeah, I just yeah. Is that the strategy of like I arrived to the limit of uh, coffee doesn't do anything to me anymore, and now I drink tea, hardcore tea, or? Well, I think I think it's a more of a complicated story. So the thing is that I hate coffee, and I'm sorry mm-hmm. for everyone. Ninety nine percent of the population probably love coffee, but I can't even stand the smell of coffee. I mm. can't. I've tried. I can't. I've tried many you know, um, pastries or different things with coffee, I can't. The only thing is tiramisu, but not much. Um, so I discovered tea many, many years ago. I think, I don't know, if it was like, I don't know. I started loving tea, let's say, when I was um, 13, I think, or 14. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, and I, I love it. And I, I love any kind of tea, yes. So that's, that's my story. Yeah, the, I basically miss... never tried coffee properly. Yeah, that's okay also. I mean, I think there is a lot of people drinking coffee just because of the thing that keeps you awake, theoretically. But that's ra- the thing ra- rather than loving the taste or whatever, you see these people putting like 
three spoons of sugar inside of the coffee, then you are not you are not liking coffee, you are liking sugar. But <laughs> then you have an addiction and for me tea is not an addiction. Like I just drink tea whenever I feel like it, but not because I'm like, oh I feel sleepy, I need tea. It's just like it's more like a ceremony. Yeah. It feels like, yeah. Yes. Anyway, that's a different. Um, yeah, that sounds that sounded really British. So uh, the ceremony <laughs> of tea. <laughs> I think it matches. I think it matches again my love for the British culture, but mm. it's not. I've never thought of this this way. I also love Japanese culture. Anyway, yes. So I'm drinking matcha, by the way, nice. right now. Cool. So, do you miss the tea from London? <laughs> I miss the tea time. So just knowing yeah. that you can meet someone and just say, hey, shall we, you know, meet for a cup of tea? Whereas like here, I think I've never had anyone, unless, you know, they're a very good friend of mine, then then they'll probably know like, hey, Laura, let's go for a cup of tea. I mean, you know, just like it's a joke. Otherwise, it's like you would either say, let's go for a beer or let's go for a coffee. But for me, I always say like, let's, yeah, sure, let's go for a cup of tea. You know, just like following the joke. Because I, I don't know, I think it's just an assumption that we just, yeah, we make. You know, we, we think that, of course, majority of the population likes drinking beer or coffee. Therefore, we assume that this person will like drinking one or the other. So, Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I suppose like in Berlin, there is starting to be like some of these tea nice places also oh, yeah. where you can go. i'm trying to discover these these places and and they they exist exactly because i think being together with you and juanca only in barcelona we went to one of uh, uh this japanese uh place uh, i think um yeah, it, actually, it's funny, but I've been with you two guys in the three cities that you lived. We were together in London. That's in, true. That's we, true. We've been in Berlin together. And of course, we have been in Barcelona together. So that's kind of funny. Uh, I, I, I really appreciated the last time that I was in London with you guys because you knew where to go. I mean, you, you as an insider who has been there, it was really nice because... It was for me like the fifth time or sixth time that I was in London, but recurrently you don't go out of these kind of touristic areas. And suddenly you said, no, no, let's grab an apartment in, in Hackney. And we were discovering the whole Hackney city farm, the Hackney market, the flower markets, um, all this that it's not known by tourists. And and actually when I came back to London afterwards uh, with, uh, with Catherine, uh alone we rented again uh uh apartment in, in hagney just to do more or less the same that we did with you guys so it's it's kind of funny you know like i, I really appreciated that there was someone who who knew the city in that sense which it's leads to my next question sure. it's it was something that someone from your from your group bring to you or you discovered uh, this part of London by yourself? Like, okay, let's try to discover London outside of... Because you said less than one year in London, there is people that in, less, in, in one year or two years doesn't discover the alternative parts, non-touristic parts of the city that they live. But you did. I, I, yeah. Um, I think... Um, 
To be honest, I think it was mostly because my cousin, she was, yeah, as far as I remember, I think she was in a rush. She desperately needed to find an apartment and it was a nightmare. And I remember one day she was like, I'm fighting with 10 or 20 more people here in an apartment, just, you know, fighting for two rooms. You want one? I was like, yeah, sure. So I think I was just, you know, very open to live anywhere in London as long as it was in London. And it was, she found this apartment that was happened to, that happened to be um, that, yeah, around Bethnal Green. And I, and that was it. And I think, and then she, she just told me what was, you know, really how the neighborhood was like, um, what was nearby. And I knew about shortage in other parts of London. And because I already knew some friends that were living in London, they, I think it was a mixture of both. So just, yeah. The, this, the situation of the flood, plus also uh, just friends telling me, hey, I think, Laura, you're going to love this part of London. Um, yeah. So I think it was mostly this, like, combination of both. Um, cool. But, yes, I, as you're right, I was less – I was living there, uh, yeah, roughly 11 months or, or something like that. And I think it felt like two years, you know what I mean? So, and whereas like here in Berlin, finally I'm feeling that I'm discovering Berlin and I've been here for three years. Yeah. But again, pandemic in between. It's not well, the same. Quarantine. Yeah. yeah, it's not the same. Um, yeah, before we jump maybe from, from London to to. Berlin, I always like to ask this kind of question. I put a little bit like people in into into the not the the best position, let's say like that. Um, do you have any memory in the sense of the best moment that you had in London in a sense of like, wow, this moment was amazing, and then absolutely opposite what was one of the hardest moments for you in London? I can clearly, I, I, I can, you know, I can go for like the hardest moments. I think for me was living London. I, yeah, I remember it was like, I, it was not, it was not a great moment because it was, I think I just like, um, you know, I was trying to right after this freelance work, I was looking for other jobs within the fashion industry And it was very, very challenging to me, for, for me. And also London is extremely expensive. Um, so then I put a deadline, you know, I said like, you know, I'll, if, I, if I don't find anything um, within, my, within this, you know, within this space, which means like in the fashion industry, I, I'll have to go back home. So, because I, I don't want and I can't afford living here. Mm -hmm. So then, yes, I reached that deadline and I was, yeah, I, then I, it was me, basically. It was not my family or friends. It was like me. It was like, I'll have to go back home. Cannot afford living here. And I don't want to end up working on whatever, you know, job. Because I really want to, you know, continue this path within the industry. Um, and then, yes, I had to go back home and I was really tough. Um, and that was very, very one of the, yeah, because, yeah, hardest moments. And then the best, the best, I think, one of the best, it's difficult to pick one, mm -hmm. but one of the best was when I met Luke Dixon, which is a local beekeeper, urban beekeeper in, in London, and also a theatre director. I just randomly, so... 
Um, you haven't mentioned this yet. I'm bringing this topic right now. Sure. But besides, I'm a beekeeper. I'm obsessed, and I'm I yes, I've been uh, working with beekeepers, beekeeping associations for many years. And in London, it is um, allowed to have you can have bees and beehives in the city. So by the time my internship was finishing, and I was looking for like other jobs. I had plenty of time. So my first idea was like, amazing. Now let's try to reach out to beekeeping associations, trying to find local beekeepers. And I met Luke. And one day we went for a cup of tea and we, it was a very magical moment. And he said, Laura, do you just, do you want to become my assistant, beekeeping assistant? I said, yes. And we ended up for a month and a half or something going to one of the most wonderful sites in London. Like we went to the, the rooftop of the British Museum, like the Cordon Bleu, um, like many universities. And it was so cool, like with his motorbike, bringing queen bees in the, you know, in behind, um, in the, you know, how do, I don't know how you call it, like this box that you hold, yeah, that you have uh, behind your um, motorbike. And it was so cool, just like, for me, to me, was um, I don't know. It, it was meant to happen. It was wonderful, and we were still very good friends. Like I'm, I'm visit. I'm going to London any like in August, and we already have you know arranged um, you know seeing each other. So it's really that's, cool. That's really cool. No, it's a good, it's a good story. <laughs> I mean, bringing uh, <laughs> bees into a motorbike box from from the rooftop of the British Museum to other buildings that's that's kind of funny, you know. Like <laughs> the police stops you. What do you have in the in the back of your motorbike? Bees. Queen <laughs> uh, bees. So we have bees, tiny yeah. bees, and we had all the queen bees like buzzing around, and I was like, oh, this is a dream. But yeah. I guess I guess this is a very unconventional topic, but I just wanted to bring this up. I think it was a very magical experience. Yeah, it's nice. I mean, you don't know. I mean, at least I don't. I don't know that many people who who does beekeeping in general. Like, I think you are the only person that I know that actively does beekeeping. Like, I know people who tried and know people who who went into trying to enter to these kind of associations and whatever, but that it's actively for so long doing it. I think you are the only person that I know. And it's, it's really interesting. Um, I think we need to do a short break because of the time thingy sure. of, the, of uh, this amazing platform that I will not say their name to not make a, a <laughs> sponsorship if they, if they don't pay. Uh, <laughs> so maybe we do a break and we just come back again. Perfect. Okay. See you then. Hey there, everyone. Today I want to bring to you and talk about one of the products that I've been using for quite some time now. Um, if you're a person like me who spends quite some time in front of the computers and you start having headaches, migraines, or problem with the visions like tiredness, um, I want to recommend you these glasses that I'm just wearing right now. They are from a company called Barner. Barner is from Barcelona, so it's from home. That's how I get to know them. Um, what these glasses do, it's mainly deflecting the blue light that the screens are generating. So it's the same blue light that generates the tiredness in the eyes and in the end uh, having migraines or headaches. It really works, at least it worked for me for quite some time right now. 
and I really get the benefit of not having the headaches and migraines after work. They have a lot of colors, a lot of different models. It's really nice, the kind of uh, different shapes and uh, colors and materials that they are using. So you can choose whatever you really want and fits you. And on top of that, of course, they have classes for persons like me who doesn't need a prescription. But if you already have uh, some other visual problems and you have need the glasses with prescription, of course, they also offer that and you can select them. Um, so, yeah. Besides that, you have a discount code just here below and you can enter through the webpage or link uh, here. Use the coupon code that I would be posting uh, down here and yeah, get your glasses, protect your eyes and keep rolling. If you are currently searching for a new way of protecting your PC, Mac or smartphone, I want to really recommend you Abast. Avast is a company that provides software of protection uh, for your day life. Um, and specifically, I want to promote one of the products that they have for both home and office edition, which is Avast One. Avast One is an in-all-one service that provides uh, different kind of protection, which includes antivirus, of course, data breach monitoring, unlimited VPN, anti-tracking software and even uh, device cleanup functionality all in a single package coming all together. Um, you have a 30 days policy of uh, money back also included in this package if you are not convinced about it, but you probably will be uh, knowing how the software works. And on top of that, right now worldwide, Avast is offering a 50% discount on this Avast One product. Um, so if you are interested in this product, you can just check the link below. You click it, you will be redirected directly to the website where this discount is already applied. And there you go, all protected. A uh, small uh, interruption. Uh, we were just talking about beekeeping and London. Um, I know that you actively beekeep in uh, close to Barcelona and Montseigne. Uh, did you do that before going to London or you started when you came back from London, the beekeeping in Barcelona? It was right afterwards when I, yeah, when I, I came back to Barcelona, I was like, okay, I need to just, you know, now start uh, an apiary of my own. So that's what I, hmm. I did with my grandma's with, together with my dad. Yeah. Nice. I think. That's cool. Um, eventually you came back to Barcelona, as you were saying, because London is expensive. If you didn't find any job, you put your deadline to yourself to say, okay, if I find something, I will love to stay in London, but I can arrive until here economically wise, let's say like this. So you came back to Barcelona without having a job in Barcelona or you already did some interviews and you know that you were coming back with job at home or you started the process of searching? Without. So I just, I, I moved back to Barcelona and then I started, you know, as you said, like applying interviews and, and so on. Yeah. And I think it lasted for like two months or one month. And then I found yeah, uh, the job that I was there for like three years till I moved then to Berlin. Yeah. So you said that was the three years job time that you were in Barcelona. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was this one. Then you just decided to quit that job at that point of time because uh, you were not really believing. I mean, you like the environment as far as I understood. You liked some of the colleagues, you liked some of the aspects, but there was too much charge on the sustainability part with the whole uh, big band thing. Let's say it, I was working for one of the largest retailers in the fashion industry. Mm. And then, yes, of course, then you have all the resources but then at the same time you just see the bigger picture you know um yeah so then that was that was a turning point definitely um yeah i mean it's an ethical discussion no at the end also yeah, yeah, i yeah. suppose why why a double jump so i think when you are in this situation in that case for you it was like okay You could have quit that job and try to find something more sustainable or more into the direction of uh, what you liked it also in Barcelona, but I'm not, I'm not, I could have, I could have, but I feel, and um, Barcelona, to be honest, Barcelona, um, Spain in general, is far behind other countries, considering UK, considering Germany. So It, it is even much more difficult to find, you know, opportunities within the sustainability space in the fashion industry in Spain. So it's already challenging anywhere, but there even more. And I'm, and for me, I ended up working for this larger retailer because, yeah, because um, it's yeah. If you're a fashion designer and you're working in, working in Barcelona, either you have your own brand. Or you work for really, really small labels, which I've done in the past, and I loved working there. But then, yeah, I don't know. It's a really big, big topic, and it's very complicated and complex to, yeah, to understand. But anyway, yes, I could have done this, but I think for me it was much bigger than that. For me, it was not was more like, <clears throat> do I really want to keep feeding this industry from a designer perspective? You know, just like. I ended up being fed up designing, you know, for like the sake of designing and putting thousands, millions of garments out there. But probably many of them were really nice, of, or probably, but anyway, they will, most of them end up in landfills. Mm. So I think I had a bit of a, you know, crisis, internal crisis, also a hate um, towards the industry and towards this, you know, blinded and, a vision of basically following this frantic rhythm of creation and exploiting designers and so on designers workers and this is a really big yeah. topic but i was like enough i have the tools i have the knowledge why not trying to bring these that i already know learn a bit learn much more of on the other side of the, the spectrum that's why i wanted to study a master's degree in sustainability to bring these two worlds together and now i'm in this position of What can I do with my design background and my sustainability background slash mindset, whatever? So mm. that's why I think this is a very powerful combination. But but yeah, we just need to make a change. You know, we need to reimagine the industry. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. So you had your goal clear in that sense. You had your idea clear of what you wanted to achieve at some and somehow. What it's surprising for me is that you do a change of life in the sense of like, okay, I change 
I quit a job, I change of city, I go back to studying. So it's not a, it's not a, like, it's not one simple thing of saying, okay, I'm quitting my job and I, and I just like say, okay, uh, I will search something in the same city where I am, where my family is, whatever. I know that, I mean, eventually Juanca was in Germany. So I suppose it also helped quite a lot to do the change city-wise, let's say. I mean, to go with someone, with your partner, it's it's much more easy than going 100% alone. But going back after three years of working to study, how was that? Like, I mean, if you count, like, after many years of, like, working, I mean, since 2014 mm. till 2019, I was like working, you know, like a freelancer internship, whatever. But yes, going back to studying, um, I mean, I loved it because in a way, and that's part of, I think it's something that now you, it will be easier for you to make the connection. When I was in London, one option was either I find a job or either I find a master's degree. So I really, this idea of continuing with my studies or like looking for other different studies, you know, complementing my background with different studies, it was already there. So, but the thing was that there were too many options out there. I even went to, that was crazy, but I don't know why. I always been, you know, very, um, I always been very, not not obsessed, but I always, I've always loved archaeology. And I thought, this is so interesting. Or how can I, learn more, more about archaeology, but from a textile perspective, maybe becoming a curator, maybe like a concert, how's it called, like, um, you know, preserving textiles or something like that, but also costume design. So in London, I think I had, I was exposed to so many different things that I, I was a bit lost in terms of what kind of, what, what is, which one is, which is the right master's degree for me. And I couldn't find it. I couldn't make up my mind and say, okay, this one. I even went to a university of archaeology. And yeah, anyway, that's a long, a long story. I love to talk a lot. But anyway, so the idea of continuing my studies or like exploring other um, uh, paths that would complement my previous experience, mm-hmm. I think it was already there. So that's why when I had another, you know, of these... Um, Moments in which I'm just, you know, just thinking of my life, my past, my present and my future. I thought, I think this is the right, you know, I was looking for a master. This feels like the right master. And everything was also um, very smooth. So I was like, I just go with my gut feeling. I think this is the, this is it. This is what I've been looking for. And now it's ready. And the industry is getting there. So that's why. That's Sorry. Right Sorry right. Too long, no, no, no. <laughs> I mean... Come on, this, pod- <laughs> this, co- this podcast is for the guests, not for me to talk too much. So um, it was the correct moment to do that. I think I think when you come to Athens, we need to present you our our neighbor. She is a she is an archaeologist specialized in textiles. So uh, PhD um, <laughs> professor, and so sure you you will like her. I think uh, <laughs> eventually. So you applied for the master and you waited until you were accepted in the master to go to Berlin or you went, you came before to Berlin and then get accepted to it? Okay, it was, I'm going to tell you this story and I'll try to keep it brief. But the thing was that, as I told you before, I was between a master's degree in London, studying the master's degree in Berlin because there were two 
-hmm. very interesting masters and very different masters and then there was we like Frank and I we were traveling to London for like I think like a, a weekend and I and then I was already you know looking for other masters like you know, talking to some of my friends that were still in London, so looking for opportunities, still job opportunities there. So I was trying to go back to London, you know, mm. still in Barcelona, but like, um, and then my flight was delayed. So because Franco is going back to Frankfurt and my flight goes, you know, back to Barcelona was delayed for like two hours. And while I was there, just behind me, when I was looking at the big screen, um, a friend, a really good friend of my sister was there with some friends. So, hey, Laura, what are you doing here? Her flight, of course, was also delayed. And we ended up going somewhere, like having some drinks. And and then, I don't know, I don't know, I just told her, I guess, how I was feeling, the ideas that I had in mind. And she was like, Laura, I think this is an amazing decision. And I actually happened to know someone who did a master's degree in sustainability in Berlin. Mm. So, sorry. I, 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 back, back then I didn't know of, you know, I didn't know about the master's degree in Berlin. Mm. So she was the one who brought, you know, the, 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 the topic of like, Hey, you might consider Berlin. It's much cheaper as well. Plus these, this and that. And cause she's half German and, and yeah. And then I spend the rest of, I think of my time, you know, researching about the masters while I was in the plane. I was like, this, this sounds really like what I've been looking for. And um, I went back to Barcelona. It took up, you know, a month or so. And then I applied for it. And yes, and then I was waiting, of course, for like um, being accepted. And it was, it was a bit challenging, you know, doing this moves while working in a, in a big corporation. So trying to hide there, you know, I mean, yeah, just doing meetings and stuff but yeah that's how it went so so you never applied for the one in london at the end you only applied for the one in berlin yeah because i was still thinking about it but then this friend of mine she told me about the other one and i was like okay i think this is this feels like the the one i've been looking at Mm. you know the other one was more creative and this one was much more business oriented and also have yeah i did yeah so anyway, this this was. It. What was the name of the master itself? So it was sust- fashion sustainability related, both things, or the cool thing was that it was not just be- um, focused on the fashion industry, but also the creative industries. Mm-hmm. So we also touched touched base on gaming industry. You know, also like I don't like the 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 um, uh, real estate industry or like film, and so anything that we were throughout these two years of 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 um, of the master's degree, any knowledge that we've been acquiring through the masters, it is applicable to any other creative industry. So let's say yeah. I I do have friends that studied with me in the masters, and now they're working for non fashion related um, companies. So that's mm-hmm. a cool thing, you know, it was fashion and creative industries. But of course, 80 or 70% much more fashion than the rest. Okay. Makes sense. That's really yeah. nice, actually. Um, when did you arrive to Berlin? Three years ago? So it was... So, um, uh, sept- end of September 2019. So it was pre-COVID. <laughs> yeah, yes. I only had one semester of the master's degree in person, then online. The rest of the master, you did it online, hundred percent. Okay, how was that? I mean, I suppose if you had a semester in the first, you 
had at least the opportunity to meet someone, but not meet them really deep. So we were all expecting, you know, okay, second semester. Now we're going to, now we know each other more less. Now we know how we work in groups. Um, yeah, sure. <laughs> it was challenging. I, yeah, it was very challenging anyway, but, but we made it and it was great, but I think it was challenging for everyone for the um, professors, for us, and yeah. You finalized some months ago, you didn't, uh, no? No, no, I, I, I graduated, no, I graduated already a year ago, oh. more than a year ago, yes. Yeah, nice. Yeah. I mean, that's two years master, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> that, that's a typical uh, amount of time, not for a master of this kind. Nice. And and then what? I mean, you are a fashion designer from, from bachelor perspective, from a job experience. Now you can put an extra label onto your to your job title, let's say like this, with the sustainability consultant. What what does that mean? What has changed for you? <laughs> uh, so, I mean, we still we still um so the thing was that when we finished our masters, a really good friend of mine, that um, Sarah, that she's uh, from South Africa, um, because of her master thesis, she was uh, very well connected with different um, um, companies and institutions back in in, in South Africa, mm-hmm. and then she brought to me this opportunity of why not working as a you know for. I initially was like developing um, a workshop for a fashion university in South Africa, like a sustainability workshop, mm-hmm. three months sustainability online workshop. And that was really, really cool. We started developing this. And out of these, we ended up starting a new um, collaboration with them, with fashion retailers in South Africa. Um, and now we are still working in this partnership with one of the biggest fashion retailers in South Africa. And we've been already, I think it was, um, yeah, this um, February, February, we did like a um, two-day intense workshop with them, with one of like 20 executives of um, this yeah, big, big corporation. And it was really, really cool. So I think we, this is just the very beginning of our journey. Mm-hmm. We've both been trying to find our way in the industry, but, you know, it hasn't been the easiest. And I think... If you want to be in this space, it feels like those that are doing the coolest, they, that they have the coolest jobs or that they're working for the best companies, it, it seems to me that they just started something. You know, It was like, I cannot find it, then I'm going to make and create this thing. So that's how I feel. It's very, you know, um, a very smooth transition, what we're doing, Sarah and I, and we complement each other very well. So for now, we're just starting our yeah, journey as a sustainable consultants so you're thinking more like right now your your idea it's more going into the direction of like consulting companies like giving them tips and giving them workshops giving them the knowledge on how to become more sustainable in what already they are doing what what they want to do possibility also with new brands maybe with uh, new people um and new business opportunities like helping them to understand the opportunities that the circular economy can unlock. So I think it's much, it's much broader, of course, than, than just 
that that than just looking at textiles and improving certain you know logistics or processes during production it's much bigger than that but for us it's just a starting point for now um and also i really don't want to just you know put put aside my fashion design background for me it's like i and i believe there's a way to bring these two things together um for now since like in the industry fashion designers are me fashion designers and then mm. another spectrum of people coming from different industries but we will see we'll see it's a very exciting and challenging journey but i feel that um i really want to explore my creative side in different projects and that's something that i'm starting finally now so we'll see but it's eventually like a change itself because you are not creating collections anymore right? you, you are not designing the clothes or the patterns as they should uh, appear in the next collection of whatever brand in the next season you are just challenging this perspective actually i was just part of the job that the work that we're doing is you know helping renewing this mindset you know the industry we should again reimagine our industry not only fashion of course fashion is one of the you know i mean it's 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 just thinking different ways of of working of acting of doing things uh and and on top of that the fashion industry has a lot of gaps to you know mm. um in there so i think we just need to start working and and improving our industry and you think berlin fits in this environment in the sense of like there is things going on right now in, in yes and finally finally now because pandemic has been really tough here and it was pre-pandemic sustainability in fashion was you know growing growing momentum and then pandemic hits and then everything yeah well i don't want to go into this topic but anyway now you know um there are more and more events happening more initiatives and definitely berlin is far more advanced than barcelona i can say that but then london is far more advanced london or even copenhagen are much more advanced than berlin as well yes. from what i've seen so far um yes yeah. so, but it's a good place to be it's a good place to be yeah it's a good spot i imagine it's also a good time like you would I mean, I don't know if COVID has stopped a lot of this discussion itself, like sustainability. I mean, it was a really big topic. Then pandemic came and uh, more or less took all the topics out of the table. We were only talking about COVID in general. Um, but I think it's a good moment. No? Also, like if you take the, the perspective of how much we talk about sustainability in general, not even in clothes itself or the ethical behind buying from some small shops or from small brands rather than buying from big uh, uh, fashion corporations let's say like that it's a it's a it's a moment of change in a way exactly. not we we're not discussing this 15 years ago no 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 and and it, it's it's interesting because in Sarah and I we, we oftentimes have these discussions of um you know poof, how challenging it is, you know, these, this and that. And then we think of like, you know, we've, we, we, I, I, even last week, I met some people that they've been pushing and trying to implement circularity in fashion for 10 years. What's circularity? So sustainability, but also what we see now right now is circularity or understand circularity. 
And they were like, we've been here in this space for 10 years. Finally, we are here. You know, we've been fighting for this. And I'm like, woof. I cannot imagine, you know, how it was. If I still feel that we are very far behind and that we, um, that things are not at the pace that they should go. Um, yes, just imagine 10 years ago. So going a little bit out of the professional and studying thing, um, how it was entering to Berlin life. You you know London. You know London from a perspective of more like getting easy adapted to a city. Let's say like that. You came back to Barcelona, which is rather really small compared to Berlin or London. <laughs> in both extension and amount of people living in there and amount of things going on. Barcelona is a cool city. I'm not saying that in the sense of a lot of things are happening, but um, I, I suppose London and Berlin, when you're living there, it's it's much more like inputs coming from everywhere, like things that you can do at the same time. Well, during COVID, probably not, but now that things are going back a little bit, how was that for you? How was the, the arriving to Berlin? Uh, movement <laughs> uh it was it was really i think i think probably and that's why you even mentioned it earlier like that my experience and franca's experience experience berlin experience is very different because he was already working here and i was you know moving to a new country but also to study you know to start again yeah. the you know student life so that was that's different and I think if you go to any other country just being there as a student is very different and we've, all, we've already been talking about this but of course then was like wow I when I was in London I've heard many times some of my friends saying um hey Berlin it feels like East London. So if you ever go, if you ever go to Berlin, you'll see that you know this vibe that you really liked of East London is very much in Berlin. I was like, oh, I'm not sure, but that's how I felt. So we arrived late September, and then that um, autumn winter was like, I can see that. I can see so many things happening. Also, back then, 2019, end of 2019. The, the demonstrations, um, you know, um, the Fridays for Future demonstration, Greta Thunberg and so on, were very, very strong here. And Berlin has such a, you know, strong community. Um, I don't know, there were so many things happening. It was like, a, you know, um, very exciting, ti exciting times. And I felt like this is, and also with the Brexit and so on, Berlin felt like, you know, this is the new epicenter of Europe. And you can see that in terms of multiculturalism, um, cultural events, and so on. So it felt like, wow, an explosion of things. And then COVID arrived and gone. exploded, really. Um, yeah, yeah. Everything. <laughs> yeah. So that was it. But then I, ha I have to say, fortunately, right now, I'm. I'm starting to have the same feeling as when we arrived here, when we moved here. So, but now, now. Yeah, I mean, it took some time, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Everything to re-go or go back. I don't, I don't even think anything will go 100% back to what it used to be behind uh, before the COVID. But 
but yeah, I mean, it's nice to start seeing the scores uh, with people uh, grabbing a beer, playing music, doing some stuff in, in all the cities, I think. Um, Sometimes it's just, you know, simple things. Yes. Yeah. So would you would you say that the most hard part in of moving Berlin was COVID and the quarantine itself or or there is some other things that are have been harder than that? Um, I think, I mean, quarantine, to be honest, I, the, yeah, at the beginning of the pandemic, I, I was stuck in Barcelona, so that doesn't count, and that's a different story, but yes, the second wave, and, you know, winter, winter, like, it is not the easiest, um, as you know, in Germany, mm-hmm. especially from January to April, um, But other than that, I don't think, if I have to say one of the most difficult things of moving to Germany, specifically Germany, I think it's the language barrier for me. Mm. I I do speak, I don't know, four or five languages, but I don't speak German. I, I, I can now understand, I can manage to survive, but I think not being able to fully connect with the locals and the local community, especially those that do not speak English at all that was that's been and still challenging so that's one of the things I feel like missing missing so many things and so I know I know the sensation uh for two German and Greek uh, (laughs) it's it's both of the languages are super challenging are super difficult to learn but yeah I mean I understand I think it's a recurrent thing to be honest in the podcast a lot of people are talking about language barriers and yeah i don't know it's it's part of the process i think to move in a new country of course when you go to london for example or where you go to south america in the sense of spanish speakers it's so easy no it, it's whatever if you had a good education in english for example it's it's done yeah it's done it's like you you know the jump is almost like one you know just one a little step you know it's not a giant leap and it feels like and and and, and as you said like these languages like Greek or like German they're not you know it's not like oh you know I can easily I don't know like Italian or French you know even even if you don't speak the language it's easy for you to you know manage and, and find your way and, and kind of understand what probably they're saying to you. But in German, yeah, take some time, take some time and many hours of studying. So it's not easy. And then you want you, if you're new in this country, you also want to explore different things and, you know, learn other stuff. And if you're studying your master's then, and hours was in English, you don't have time. So I, I didn't prioritize this. So that's, to me one of still one of the hardest things living here makes sense um on the contrary what do you love from berlin what do you love from germany what it's the thing that you say okay wow this is this oh, is amazing from like one of my favorite things here in berlin is uh i'm not sure if i'm i'm saying it correctly but like serendipitous moments you know so just this sort of like um magical encounters with random people that you you know for instance like 
the other day we were at um, at, at the Vermeer's exhibition, you know, the friend that Franca mentioned, and we ended up meeting this guy, like very cultivated um, and charming man in his late 80s. And he, and he, I don't know even where to, I mean, he, he even said that he, um, he knew Princess Sofia of Spain and he was not joking. We ended up having like an hour conversation with this guy. It was, I don't know, I, I, I think I cannot make it, you know, I cannot transfer or summarize what these experience meant to us, but it was, yeah, just magical. That was insane. And then also, I don't know, like one day ended up, I ended up dancing with one of my favorite singers, Ellen Oyer from um, Cues of Convenience in the, in a, in an after party of an Alice Willow concert. And I was not expecting this. I was expecting, you know, going to that concert and then going back home. But then she was like, yeah, now we're going to have this party. And then, and I was there and it felt so normal. And I was like, oh, wow. When I was 16 years old, I have a picture with this guy, one of my favorite singers. And now I'm here just like dancing with him as if, you know, we were just like, yeah, just, you know, um, uh, yeah, strangers. And, and then also another one was in a, in a, um, in a climate change demonstration mm-hmm was probably one of these fashion for uh, um, Friday for Future. I ended up meeting like the founder of a really, really cool magazine called Lisom. And she just, she just wanted to take a photograph of a friend of mine. And then I ended up talking to her and we meet, we had many friends in common and friends in industry. I was like, wow, you know, I would never ever thought that I would meet, Mm. you know, such an interesting person here just you know this demonstration with millions of people so I don't know I feel this is to me you know this magical encounters is something that I've been definitely enjoying a lot here in in Berlin of course I've had other encounters in different cities but I feel that here in Berlin is like wow it happens so often Uh, and I love that yeah yeah I mean it's cool. I mean, it's it's nice that inside of certain circles of people, the strangers become less strangers. Let's say it like okay. this, mm-hmm. and I think it's it's a vibe that in Berlin happens some, somehow. I think, and people understand Berlin like a place of multiculturality of multiple things. And if someone is here to a uh, uh, Fridays for Future demonstration it's because they won and they are having you already have something in common with that person because you are already there so this strangerness it's okay but it's going into the direction of okay you know like we have something in common there is a base already here so so we can we can become something more than just strangers and it's and it's cool did you have any experience in the other way around, like where strangers people are really strange uh, in Berlin? Because of course there is like in any big city, there is this kind of stranger people doing strange things in the streets also. So I've seen, I've seen that. And I think I see every once in a week, I see a strange person doing something really weird. I, I cannot remember right now. Yes. Sometimes very disgusting things I've seen but and something just like what you know things what that just I'm like, happened yeah, yeah. What, what just happened I, and and then and yes I 
but still, I think it's part of the, I don't know, call it charm, charm, I don't know. It's like part of Berlin, you know, the identity of Berlin. The fact, I think, I think someone mentioned this to me um, recently, the fact that no one really cares about you. No one really cares about how you look. Mm. And therefore you can dress in any, like any, I don't know, you can even, you could even be naked and no one would be judging you or how you look, you know? So I feel this is beautiful. And at the same time, it's a bit sad to me at the same time that no one really cares about you. You know, they're like, oh, you, you, no one here. But I don't feel it this way. I feel it more like the beautiful part of it, like anything, anyone, you know, is accepted. So, yeah, and I think that's why barriers are, you know, turned down, like removed. It's like, as you said, strangers or you being in front of one of your favorite singers and you don't even feel like this friend of like, oh, oh, wow. No, it's like, just, you know, let it go. It is another person, another human being. That's it. So you yeah. can take it as a threat or it's not, has been never like a moment of like, uh, you feel in danger or like. Whatever. No, I've never, been, I've never been scared. It's like, this person is doing his own or her own thing. So, you know, let it, yeah, okay. that's it. And I've never been felt threatened or anything like that, fortunately. That's nice. Um, I think we need to do a second break uh, because of the timing okay. thingy, but I would suggest that we just do this quick break now and then we come back and close with the two typical questions of uh, the Auslander final um, questions of the episode. So we will be just back in a second. 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 I just want to use this really last and short break of this episode to remember to all the audience that there is still some NFTs available from the first season episodes uh, of The Auslander at uncut.fm slash The Auslander podcast. Um, so if you're interested in collaborating with this podcast and give a little bit of uh, support, but also becoming an owner of one of the episodes of the podcast itself plus the benefits that it has to buy an nft through uncut.fm uh, go and check it out through the links that are posted here below last minutes of the episode we are back with laura so we were just talking now about the life in berlin um the kind of nice things bad things um I always ask these two last questions to close the episodes. Uh, the first one is what would you recommend to anyone who wants to come to live to Berlin? Or if you have any recommendation about London, also uh, more than welcome. Um, if there is anyone listening that wants to come to these cities, what you would say to them? Okay. But in terms of like places to visit or anything like whatever, whatever you feel it's important to be or to know or to discover, maybe like it, it can be an area of the city. It can be just a recommendation on how to find a flat. I don't know. I, I, I would just say, just like, do not get stuck. Uh, just, you know, just don't go only around your neighborhoods because Berlin, every single neighborhood It's very different. It almost feels like different cities within a city. So I feel like just like 
take a bicycle or just walk around and get lost around Berlin. I know it's huge. It's not like Barcelona, you go from one place to another in half an hour. Uh, but just go get lost and every week explore different places. I think I would highly, highly recommend anyone doing this, just getting lost because it's beautiful. And, and, and yeah, and you see different kind of communities, different different types of people around the city. And I think to me, it's, and I'm still doing this, like in winter, in summer, just every other day and just walking around and exploring other neighborhoods. And I still have a long way to go. Uh, there's some parts of the, of Berlin that I've only been once. Mm-hmm. And it's very easy to just, you know, get to know your neighborhoods, be in this, you know, uh, bubble. But I think I would just, yeah, I think this is, a really good way to get to know more people and to get to know and understand, fully understand the city. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. It's cool. Um, Yeah. You know, the second question also, I suppose, uh, do you have any personal, non-personal friends, uh, known uh, project that you want to share and you want to use this space to promote? So, um, Right now, I i mean, because I've already mentioned them and I happen to have right now next to me two of the magazines. I, anyone who's interested in sustainability um, and sustainability in fashion as well, I would highly, highly recommend to just check the list. So these beautiful magazines, they only have three of them. It's mostly digital, but they once uh, a year they print their magazines and it's such a unique, I don't know, I, I mean, it's a, I, I wouldn't consider it a magazine. It's more like a book, beautiful book, plenty of poetry, uh, a lot of very interesting discussions around topics, sometimes, again, related to fashion, but not necessarily, and beautiful imagery. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's a very, very nice project. And I, I know a daughter who is the founder and, and yeah. I don't know. I think I would, you know, just recommend anyone to check the website or Instagram. It's such a wonderful project. And they are very much um, in contact with designers in in Spain, mostly mm-hmm. in, based in Barcelona and the Balearic Islands. So, yes, I don't know. If you're from Spain as well, I think it's um, you're just worth to take a look. It's a very, very cool project. And other friends, I do... I, I'm so sorry because just right now, I I cannot think of a. I mean, Quanca already mentioned Bermibus, which I mean, and we were yesterday at the closing of his um, solo exhibition here in Berlin. Although the exhibition is no longer um, active, I would highly recommend uh, to just check his work. It's yeah, wonderful, and and also a bit of promotion about something that I'm working on. Sure. That's okay, because I and I'm I'm a, I'm about to have a meeting right after this call. Um, there's one project that I'm working with a friend of mine that it's going to happen um, by mid July in Barcelona, and it's it's a really really small project right now, just like working with family and friends. But it's called El Nido, the Nest, and we're going to do a collaboration um, between El Nido and me as. Time Hive, which is my platform in which I deliver content about bees and the world of bees. Uh, so it's going to be a very immersive experience, understanding the world of bees and 
the honeys. Um, I don't know. It's really going to be really like almost like a first iteration of this um, collaborative project. Mm -hmm. But if you want to check out, we have uh, Instagram. Um, I can share it uh, like a little. Let me double check. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's called El Nido Archive. Um, you can follow us and we'll soon share some information. Um, and another, uh, because I don't know when this podcast is going to be released. I mean, maybe this is too soon. But then another one, it's going to happen uh, in October. So mm -hmm. 15th of October is finally the new edition of Barcelona Honey Fest. Okay. which is again related to bees, but um, I'm one of the members of this beautiful family called Barcelona Honey Fest. And it's an event um, dedicated to the world of bees. And we do, um, this is, I think, the, our fourth edition of the festival. And it's in El Par de la Ciutadella, mm -hmm. in Barcelona, near the, one of the main entrance. And also I recommend you to check our Instagram website, and we'll soon be sharing more information about the new edition. But it's really, really cool festival for like for kids, for families, for anyone who's interested in you know buying local products from local farmers. And again, it's not just honeys, honey, other products related to um, honeybees, but also about education, understanding the world of bees, and other projects. And yeah, we'll soon be sharing more information. Cool. All of this information will be definitely in the posts and the um, description. So you can follow all the accounts. Of course, there will be the stories related with it about the Honeyfest uh, Festival in Barcelona. Actually, this episode, it's now released on Wednesday. This Honeyfest is happening on this Saturday. So you should go this Saturday exactly uh, to the Honeyfest. If you are one of the listeners who are in Barcelona, if you are not, just follow them on Instagram. But it's this Saturday. It's happening this Saturday. So uh, <laughs> uh, we are, of course, <laughs> being transparent, we are recording this in advance. Uh, Laura didn't know when it's the, the release date of the episode, but it happens that uh, actually this episode is just released during the week that the Honey uh, Fest of Barcelona happens. So if you want to check it out, just uh, go this Saturday to um, to Parte de la Ciudadera. Yeah, and, and it's for free. So just, you know, yeah, go for the wall, explore the, the park, and then we'll be there with some music and lovely people. And yeah. A lot and of honey. It's a really, really cool festival. Very small festival, but out of uh, a really nice intention behind it. So really cool. I'll be Just there. Go and try some honey. Go and meet Laura also there. I I had some of the honey from the Honey Fest uh, festival, some of the small pots with uh, different flavors of honey. And it's really incredible to, to taste out not only the typical honey that you can buy, but different and see how the process really works and understand more about beekeeping and, and how to, how to take care of these uh, lovely animals also. So um, yeah, all, as I said, all the recommendations will be um, in the descriptions, in the posts, in the stories of Instagram in Facebook. Um, so Laura, thank you so much for, for uh, taking the time. It's been amazing, really. Um, I'm really, really happy that uh, that you bring also your perspective of Berlin uh, besides Franca. And yeah, I hope uh, we will see each other soon. 
Um, again, thanks for taking the time to, to be in the podcast. And it has been a pleasure. Thank you, Mon. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Bye. Bye.